feet up, breaking all the lights on the doors. You're listening to Feminist Killjoys, PhD, an hour of feminism, pop culture, and politics, as discussed by two professional Killjoys. I'm Rachel. And I'm Melody. And today we'll be discussing black comedy uh, and a bunch of other stuff about comedy because we have a really special guest, uh, John, from Blackout Improv, an improv troupe in the Twin Cities. He's also the director of diversity and inclusion at Huge Improv Theater, and he's the founder of Black Improv Festival in the Twin Cities. Um, We had so much fun talking to him. I can't wait for you guys to hear the interview. But first, Melody, where can our listeners find us on the internet? Well, before I say that, congratulations, Rachel. This is our 20th episode. OMG. Yay. You know what I want to try really quick? On another round, um, they always, both of the hosts make that like bullhorn sound. And I've always wanted to secretly try it out loud. Can I try like, yes, I love that. It's the club. It's the club horn. My partner yeah, yeah, yeah. loves it. He thinks it's the yeah. most amazing thing when the club horn goes off. So, oh, you do it yeah, way better 20. than me. <laughs> you do it way better than me. I'm kind of been practicing, so there. <laughs> okay, you're going to have to bring that <laughs> anyway, back. Anyway, episode, be... episode 20. Okay, 2-0. Your, your... We're talking yep. very fast because John said a lot of amazing things and we need to give him all the time. So yep. you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review, please. Um, even if it's a critical review, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We have a feminist killjoys PhD mixtape on Spotify. Cause we are in 2016. Uh, you can support our feminist labor by donating on our website, feministkilljoyspodcast.com, or we also have a Patreon account set up where you can leave us micro donations or, and you can email me at fkj.phd at gmail.com so we can have our AOL conversations that way. Um, And without further ado, we're actually going to turn it over to John. We'll do our um, amazing feminist party check-ins next week. Um, But uh, our talk with John was amazing, so we're going to turn it on over. Okay, so we are here with John Gebretatios. Did I get that right? That's right. Perfect. Cool. Yep. Cool. Um, yeah. And so John and I met at Caribou Coffee. Do you still work there? No, no. Okay. Well, you did once upon a time. Hell yeah. Moved up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, but yeah, but many, gosh, it has been like many years ago now, but, um, I used to go there and like try to write my dissertation and lesson plan and John would make me um, green tea and show me funny things on the internet and talk to me <laughs> on his breaks and sometimes not on his breaks. Um, and it was a good time. How'd so, you ever get any work done, Rachel? My goodness. Yeah, I know. It was, <laughs> yeah, I went there when I like, I knew I wasn't going to get that super big, okay. you know, big <laughs> fan. Um, anyway, but yeah, but I had never said your last name out loud. I only know you knew you as John, my, my barista. So that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting, it, it doesn't sound like, like it doesn't look phonetically like the way that it's pronounced. That's right. Yep. Um, uh, it's a couple of reasons. Um, one, my parents, they came from Eritrea, that's in East Africa, and mm-hmm. it was a civil war, so they came to America, and, and um, I think they just kind of spelt it how they thought it would make sense, so they just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, whatever, get the job done. Mm-hmm. Things, you know, I guess, but you got different priorities when you come over from a, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> a war-torn country. Yes. Um, so that's, what that, that's why that is. And then, uh, secondly... Um, I'm I'm super charming, so 
That's why I distracted you. Okay. <laughs> you didn't need to know my name. My last it's true. Name. <laughs> it's true. You are. He is audience. He's very charming. It's true. Um, yeah. Well, it's a love. It's a lovely last name. I'm glad I learned how to pronounce it. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah. So anyway, so you're a comedian, uh, yeah. and you're in an improv troupe. And how did you get into comedy? Um, I got into comedy. Honestly, I was going to I was a person like a copywriter mm-hmm. and uh they said you know i was going to school for it they said you need to be able to pre- present your ideas and you got to be able to you know talk to clients whatever and what you're saying so they offered a class but it was only in miami it was a stand-up class and they didn't have it in minneapolis so i said well i'll just go do open mic and that'll help me you know i was like i always liked having like funny creative ideas but i'll just go do open mic and uh that'll get me better public speaking and then i did a couple of them and i was like oh this is fun oh my god oh my god this mm-hmm. is you get to just say whatever you want and if people <laughs> like it they laugh oh i'll just keep doing this for a little bit and then um yeah and then i got a job at the brave new workshop just front of house ushering and uh that got me into improv because uh lauren anderson she's still she's still main stage comedian there but um she said yeah you work here so you get free classes so so take the classes and i said i can't can't say no to lauren if you ever meet her yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> she's, she's a force <laughs> cool and then it just went from there mm-hmm. yeah so we collectively don't know much about like improv comedy culture but yeah. um as we said before you came on air that you know you you're with blackout improv which is a poc only troupe mm-hmm. and uh so clearly you're kind of filling a niche there you know something's going on where this was important to you to create this troupe um, yeah did you get a sense of like what like mainstream and i'll just say like white improv comedy culture is like because it seems like it's very white dominated and like yeah can you say i'm well, just i'm just curious about what what comedy yeah. culture is like i don't know much well, specifically um, for the Twin Cities, I can say that uh, it is like predominantly male, white, straight, cis culture, hands mm-hmm. down. You know, and not you know not to say that it's a bad thing, but they, you go to many shows and you'll just hear mainly one voice over and over and over and over again. And when you go to open mics, you know that I don't know. It just gets to be kind of uh, kind of a lot of the same voice a lot of the same stories a lot of roommate jokes a lot, a lot of <laughs> uh, and and it's fine and then the same thing with improv too um and that's kind of like why we started uh blackout it wasn't it, it wasn't in response to that it was more along the lines of response to um there would be shows where it's just you know black people only and then sometimes there'd be shows where there'd be like back-to-back black groups and it'd be like oh is there is there too many happening in one night? And then my and then my reaction to that was like, oh, I'll show you too many. <laughs> <laughs> so from yeah. there we started the troupe. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, that reminds me of, I think it was, I think it was Ruth Bader Ginsburg who they were like, you know, how many women do you need to have on the the Supreme Court justices that'll that'll make it you know enough and she's like well like all of them like every little <laughs> yeah. be a woman like you can't yeah. have like too many like right. it was all white guys for a really long time so like why not all women and same thing right. with comedy like why would there be too many like POC comedians exactly. like how is that a thing yeah yeah, um, yeah. cool in, our group um right we did have one woman uh Joy Dolo and she she's amazing. And then we have we had auditions, and that was like per, like personally and Joy too. I would assume I'm gonna speak for her, but that was like one of the things that we looked for was more women of color mm-hmm. that do comedy. And lo and behold, now we have now we have upwards of uh, five to six more added to the group. Cool. Um, I'm gonna say five to six because one of them is in college and we can't have her all the time. So yeah. But uh, yeah. So that's that's amazing. I'm excited to start. Um, a blackout uh, all female show in the fall. Cool. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. I'm thinking of a title. I don't know. I might steal. Might steal. Uh, yes, Queen. 
I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, what are, what would you say, like, are the, when you guys started this group, like, did you have, like, specific goals, a specific target audience in mind? Um, Anything like that? I think, yeah, yeah. Well, certainly, um, for a couple of us, my goal is just be funny. Just be real funny. And do, you know, just do a good, clean show. And then, uh, number two was the other goal was to not change ourselves or be do anything different, um, which is hard because we're so many of us were so used to playing with white, uh, predominantly white teams, and we'd have to kind of adjust or code switch or whatever to be in those teams. So the other goal was to just be ourselves and do whatever uh, is strongest to for each of us. Like each player, each player has a strength, and we would do things that would cater to them. So. We had an hour and a half show. The first half would be sketches or written material. So it would be whatever each one felt strongest in. So one person would be, would be great at writing a, a whole monologue. And his name's Andy Hilbrand. So it, it was called Andy's Corner. And it was almost like an essay. But it would be hilarious. And then um, the other two guys, uh, I'll say, and Corey, they do a piece. It's, it's called Take Them to Church. And uh, one of them's like the deacon. And the other one's a pastor. And they just kind of improv it. We all play like people in the church and it's just hilarious and then me and joy would do kind of headline jokes just like your traditional saturday night live weekend update style mm-hmm. and um and we would just kind of comment on what's going on um that that week in society and it, it was the main goal was to just show everybody that you know i think the underlying message is that we don't have to serve comedy like comedy mm-hmm. especially improv serves us serves mm-hmm. everybody it's mm-hmm. for everybody mm-hmm so, so I had two follow-up questions to what you just said. Yeah. One, what do you mean by clean comedy? And two, what is your specific strength in improv? Oh, yeah. Clean, that's a good question. What I mean by clean is like when you walk off the stage and you don't feel any shame. You didn't You didn't try to placate. You didn't, you know. Mm. Um, I guess there is there is clean comedy that isn't, you know, cussing. That doesn't go blue. I don't. I don't mean any of that. I, uh, I don't know if I can cuss on here. Yeah, but. you can. Yeah, you're, you're definitely. Fuck okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. Fuck that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it was just more about like walking off stage and feeling like you did what you did. Whatever you did was true to you. And you didn't try to, I don't, you know, just you just did you 100%. And that's clean to me. I guess I just made that up right now. That's a new term. We'll trend it. And then, I like uh, it. Yeah, love it. <laughs> Does it have the like the hundred symbol emoji next yeah, to it as part of definitely. the trademark? Okay. Oh perfect. yeah. Yeah. In, okay. In in brown or okay. black, I don't right. know. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Perfect. <laughs> um, and then I guess my strength, I think, is more more off stage. I mean, on stage, I would say that my strength would be um just kind of being a ninja, if you were, for improv. Okay. I mean, whatever the scene needs, I'm I'm really good at just kind of cleaning it up or, or giving context or you know giving mm-hmm. some sort of like world or creating a, a, the space like the physical space that we're making and you know other players do a really good job of bringing energy and i'm just kind of help it make sense or whatever mm-hmm. um off stage i think i'm really good at like um connecting people and then kind of organizing and then having um uh just kind of finding an outlet or a goal for the group to get to i think i'm good at that Mm, yeah yeah it was fun watching your improv show because i could tell i was watching you and like you you could just say like all of a sudden you told somebody that they were the walgreens supervisor yeah and then like (laughs) it was super funny and then also just like totally changed the scene because it wasn't very clear like where you were at and then all of a sudden yeah also i do want to say maybe you can talk about this i noticed how much um in the improv that there was same-sex love couple you know comedy based on not laughing that you were a couple with another man but that like that was part of part of the scenes oh yeah yeah can you speak to that a little bit yeah Yeah, i noticed that too yeah um i think well i think we already go into with uh everything we need we have with us on the stage like we don't use props we you know Everything we need, we already have. So that means if I want to play a woman or if I want to play anything that isn't me, I can just do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really try uh, to think about like same sex. Like we don't we don't intend to have that be on our list <laughs> for the night. Mm-hmm. It just comes up, and 
and that's I don't I mean yeah we I think as a group we really don't even talk about it because we we just kind of it's just kind of like an unwritten rule I guess I would say that we don't put um, pressure on ourselves to do things that are gonna stretch us. So if it happens, it happens, and we don't think twice about it, <laughs> I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, well, Mel, I'm curious if your question was sort of, like, it, it can walk this very fine line, and I think this is, like, the crux of what we're asking. We, we're we really interested in about comedy and, like, controversial issues. Like, it walks this fine line of, like, are we laughing because they're a gay couple, or are we laughing because something else is funny, right? Because if you were laughing, do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and we could say the same thing about um, just, you know, sort of jokes about race, which is, I'm kind of jumping ahead to, like, sort of the meat of our, of what we really wanted to unpack with you, but, like, how, how do you make, how do you balance that, walk that line between, like, laughing at something versus laughing with something um and yeah if you just want to speak yeah that's that's a great question so i I think i understand um like the majority of what we do uh i feel like we already have it's it's kind of it's kind of like a a long answer but it's kind of the best way that i can answer it so we got nothing but time all right cool i feel (laughs) like the audiences a are laughing with us and cheering us on uh, one because they came to watch like a spectator at a sports event, you know, mm-hmm. where they're, mm-hmm. they're kind of watching this team and they're like, rooting for them to go do amazing things. For example, uh, like um, so, if two guys jump out and they're so committed into loving one another, uh, or two people jump out and let's say they're playing two male characters in love with each other, this happened last night, and um, the audience is cheering on the players. The audiences are laughing. Uh, I think. In my opinion they're laughing with the players and there's never we don't really get shock laughter like mm-hmm. oh boy mm-hmm. look at them they're being a gay couple and that's shocking they're more or less laughing at, at how silly you know the characters are that they'll play in itself or how committed they are to whatever they're doing in that world and then it's more situational so I think like in the example last night uh, I told the story about my first kiss um it was a latch i was a latchkey student and i um asked her to join me in my locker for and <laughs> i i got caught and then you know uh whatever but when we did the scene and we played it out it, it just so happened we didn't intend for it that uh it ended up being the scene between two gay guys and one of them was like and they were both grown somehow in the scene and uh-huh. he asked the other one to come join him in his office, in quotes, in the office, <laughs> meaning a locker. And it was funny to watch one of the guys, like, just, like, try to squeeze into a tiny locker in his face. <laughs> yeah. And so we're real, really, I think we're focused on the situation. And, and I mean, um, we, we, I don't think we could even be in a position if we tried to do shocking humor. Because we're all people of color doing improv, so we're already from the most underdog spot, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it just wouldn't make sense. Like, half, I would say half of our audience, if they're not, um, if they're not just a person of color, they're a, a minority group of some sort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and so, do you, yeah. Do you like that? Do you like that that's what the audience is composed I, of? I do. I really, I love it. I love that it's, uh, we can, like, our show. Um, doesn't really have like I would have thought in the beginning like oh it makes sense we'll probably get a lot of black people in the audience but it's the most diverse crowd I've ever seen it's like uh, I don't know staring out into um, uh, I don't know Riverside area or I don't know mm-hmm. like a very diverse neighborhood if you could think of one yeah that's cool and also looking at um, a bunch of educators too because I know we got you know there's a good percentage of people in our audience that are teachers or people that work in education on some cool. so, some level. That's awesome. So we're also pressured to be smart. Like we can't, <laughs> <laughs> we can't do the, the cheap stuff at all. <laughs> do you ever look out uh, into the audience 
and and look and say, oh, I see some more of like this demographic, like we should shift some of our jokes or do you just like do your thing no matter what? I had that thought uh, a few months ago. We were talking about Chance the Rapper, and then on one night we just had <laughs> we just had a uh, a demographic that was just not. I would say maybe twenty percent of the audience knew we were talking about Chance the Rapper, and we were harping on it, and we just were, you know, we just were, were really into it, and we just mm-hmm. got into it and talking about it more and how important it was. And I looked out and I noticed that oh yeah not a lot of people know what we're talking about and i resist like that was a moment where i resisted the urge to want to be like new topic or let's talk about something else but uh-huh. and instead i was like no let's just talk about it because this is true to us and that's all that matters right now and if people don't get it that's okay there's been many shows we've been to where we did not get the reference you know mm-hmm. <laughs> right <laughs> so that's so mm-hmm. yeah okay. no i no i think that sounds um that's like a really, I think, powerful thing um, to not always make sense to people, especially if it's white people, because white people are so used to having everything catered to them. So if there's like white people who don't know what's going on, it's like, well, welcome to the world of living in a world, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. everybody else's experiences where not everything is handed to them on a silver plate. And there's like, uh, there's a, uh, let a uh, Chicana feminist writer who writes, um, Gloria Anzaldúa, who writes in half English and half Spanish and, like, doesn't ever translate so that when, like, o- only English-speaking people read her books, they, like, don't know what she's saying parts in parts of it. And she, like, mm-hmm. does that intentionally to make people uncomfortable who are usually in the majority. So I think that sounds like a really power- powerful thing to just keep yeah. it clean or whatever. What was Clean comedy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I think it's a real term. Yeah, yeah, this is great. I like it, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, since we're on the... Well, can I take one of your questions, Rachel? I'm going off screen now. So, can you talk a little bit more about um, how comedy can be used as a part of social justice? Because some of the stuff that you talk about in your shows are maybe not overtly political, but like clearly have some commentary, you know, like I was thinking about when that one of the comedians said like, we're in Uptown, so we got to use our Uptown voices, mm-hmm. which is a commentary yeah. about being in a white space, but being yeah. at the Walgreens and Uptown and how you have to behave differently, right? So you're clearly making yeah. some commentary. Um, so can you just talk a little bit about your thoughts on how comedy and racial justice intersect for you? Yeah, I mean, um, and that's a funny. That's a, that, that's funny. That uptown, uh, uptown voices. That's yeah. true because we have meetings every Sunday um, at the Green Mill in Uptown, and it's you know uh-huh. it's like five, six of us. If you add uh, Mo, she does our admin work, and we're loud and we're black and we have a great time and we're laughing, mm-hmm. and it's like eleven o'clock in the morning, and they're having mm-hmm. you know cock. <laughs> they're having a, I don't know what that. Kahlua's and coffee uh, or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. but so yeah they're having we're having a great brunch and we got to remind ourselves to use uptown voices so uh so i think <laughs> it's a uh I, I guess it's just a combination of us using our truths like that's a truth for us and we don't intend to have um what's the word you use justice racial justice or social justice, racial oh. justice. Or social justice. yeah whatever yeah, politics. yeah like it isn't it isn't a, our intention to go out and make change. Otherwise, I don't think we would, that would be weird for comedy. It just so happens is kind of the way we frame it. Do we, now, I guess I'm contradicting myself. Do we intend? Yeah, we do intend to help make change Yeah, and want to make change. Um, But we just don't frame it that way. Like nobody wants to go see the Al Sharpton comedy tour ever. (laughs) (laughs) That would be horrible. (laughs) But, but I mean, um, yeah, it, it does help because it it creates a an environment that's safe and you know comfortable for most people um, to just kind of enjoy us talking about the, the stuff that that bugs us, that bugs everybody, uh, you know, racial or social justice that needs to happen. When nobody, not everybody can digest that, you know, um, in just straight plain English text. It has to be in comedy sometimes. Mm. Is that 
That's a long answer. I don't know if that answers your question. but Oh, yeah, definitely. I was just curious what your thoughts were. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's tricky. It's tricky. It's not easy. A lot of times, you know, I will have uh, moments, and we did last night, where we're, we're sitting down and we're talking about a situation, and um, what got pulled from the hat was um, trolls and uh, misunderstanding of Malcolm X. Mm. Oh, man. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And that sometimes there's just nothing funny about that subject that we yeah. talk about for maybe five minutes, and they're right. screaming in anger. And uh, we find a way, you know. There's levity. We'll find a way to bring right. it, you know, to bring it to um, the humor side. But for you know, sometimes it's just we just sometimes you just need to hear black people scream and be angry. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> what yeah, are the? Tro- cool I'm that. sorry. What I understand that there's a misunderstanding with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. What are trolls mm-hmm. saying about Malcolm X now? Um, sometimes you'll have people that that'll say there's too much. Um, Malcolm and not enough X. I mean, too much Martin, not enough X. Meaning, uh, sometimes you have people that'll be like, "Well, we need to go to the extreme." And Malcolm X would do this, Martin Luther King style of protest, and that's not strong enough. That's not really doing anything. We need to get in there, and really, you know, and get militaristic, even. And it's like, whoa. So there's trolls on on every end. Where you oh, have like are- so, like on the Black Lives Matter side, trolling, like trying to militarize yes. everybody. That's interesting. Yeah. So you have internet trolls on every uh, end of the spectrum, you know, the kinds that are just like, all lives matter, everything right. should be fixed. Then you have, mm-hmm. you know, the other end where you're like, no, we need to shut everything down and let's all get on a boat and go back to Africa. It's like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. I'm not going back to Africa. No one's going to Africa. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting. I mean, I think... Um, that sort of, I mean, I think something else, just like the the sort of anger and, uh, I mean, leg- very understandably, very serious nature of the Black Lives Matter movement. And then to, I don't even know if this is a question, I guess I'm just sort of like reflecting on what you're saying, but that like, um, it's just quite, it seems like it's probably like a, it would be a really maybe heavy sort of responsive feeling of responsibility to like take such heavy topics mm-hmm. and talk about them in a comedy show. Like, so, I mean, and that's what, so yeah, again, it's not really a question, but it's more of like, um, I think it's cool that you said, you know, sometimes you do just have five minutes where it's actually not that funny because maybe, maybe it, there isn't anything funny about something, in, you know, one of those things or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I take that as uh, one of the things that I'm very proud of that we do is that somehow, Somehow, some way, you know, I mean, everybody's really talented and t- to everybody's credit. We're able to take those heavy things that everybody's uh, for rightfully so not comfortable talking about. And if you're mm-hmm. a playwright, if you're a playwright, you know, you have your time, you take your time, you sit down and you write your plays and then you put on plays. And whether that, you know, however that's executed, that's great. And if you're a stand up, it's just you. You still have time to sit down and think about what you're going to say. You know, you have, you have time to write. And, and do your, your stand-up, but what I love about this team is that it's, it's totally like a team effort, and we all have thoughts, and we all, and we, you know, we don't always agree, we can always uh, challenge each other in certain ways, and, but somehow we still find the humor, even if it's making fun of Andy's socks, that's fine too, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll find a way, <laughs> right. we'll find something to laugh, laugh at something. Yeah. Um, Mel, do you want to jump in or can I? Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I just, this is, I sort of wanted to ask about this earlier when we were talking about audiences and your um, your belief that the audience is laughing with, with you guys and not at a particular topic or whatever. And I've always been really like moved by Dave Chappelle's story of leaving his show because he was pretty sure that like white frat boys that watched the Chappelle Mm -hmm. show were laughing at the stereotypes of like black people that he would do instead of like Mm. getting the irony of, of his, um, of his sketches. So I'm wondering like, is Dave Chappelle like an inspiration to you? Like, what Mm -hmm. do you think about his, his, his style of comedy and why he left comedy? And, um, maybe if there's other, um, uh, 
black or people of color comedians that you've looked to for inspiration that you think do it right? Yeah, no, uh, he's definitely an inspiration. He's, um, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, he's he's a comedian that just has a, a uh, he's just he's just a big ball of humanity, and you and you mm. get that. And um, it, it is sad when somebody that does actually care about humanity and does their craft uh, is misunderstood in that way. It, it, it's sad. Um, and I, I, you know, I can't put a finger on anybody that does race the way he does or has done it. That's alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, honestly, I would say us only because um, we're doing it and there is no like censorship. So we can say everything that we need to say. So and that's the luxury of having like a live show. And, and, mm-hmm. You know, we're if we were on for TV or if we did, you know, sketches for TV, it might be a different show. Honestly, it would be way mm-hmm. different. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm real. I'm real inspired by that. Uh, and I'm. I think I'm more inspired by the audience too, because it's more of a back and forth that we have. Mm. And if, if there wasn't that, then it would be a different show too. We would just be throwing material at people, but because we get the suggestions and the topics directly from the audience, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's more of a collaboration in that sense. Um, yeah. And then, um, we always keep an eye towards, um, the person in the room who may not understand the irony in something. Mm-hmm. But we're but we're also we also leave that door open for us to be surprised that you know uh, for example last night we had a, a just a whole gaggle of young white guys from mm-hmm. Texas mm. <laughs> yeah, a whole gaggle of young <laughs> young white guys from Texas and they I don't know what they were out visiting friends and they just happened to be in the area they came to sell the show then after the show they were like yeah man, I was on the show from Texas and of course that cha- so that challenged us you know on the other end to be open to a new world every day that we don't can't we can't assume anymore (laughs) and and not prejudge them i'd prejudge the crap out of them if they show up (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean rightfully so but uh, it's that is inspiring when when uh i get inspired when my judgments are uh are wrong Mm -hmm. yeah 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 so um kind of riffing off the you know inspiring comedians and stuff um i've been yeah. listening to a lot of uh two dope queens and then the yes. spinoff with phoebe of so many white guys yeah. and those podcasts are like a direct response to the lack of women of color in comedy and i think yeah. i would say you know people of color in general but they are really focusing on the woman aspect and i was just mm-hmm. curious like what your thoughts are on especially because it, they're so popular you know amongst mm-hmm. uh i mean not to get all nerdy, but, you know, it's hosted by WNYC, which is an NPR mm-hmm. thing. And so now it's getting the NPR audience, which is all like white, middle to upper class, super educated people. Yes. Um, which is unique. But then you listen to the show and you would never guess that it's like hosted by an NPR station because they're like being super real about the issues of inequity in comedy. So anyways, I was just kind of curious yeah. what your thoughts are on the popularity of podcasts like that, all, you know, pretty suddenly. I love it. I mean, it, it finally, it just shows you that, um, I mean, in general terms, it just shows you that uh, people are open and ready and want other, uh, other voices. It's the numbers don't lie. Like people right. want that. And that's mm-hmm. just, I love that, that. That just guarantees that that's a real thing. Not everything has to be, uh, you know, just kind of surface one level genre. And I, I love that it also highlights how complex people are. Like, yes, they can be of a different uh, race or, or gender that is not the dominant, but they're also complicated in their, their own selves, you know, like any group. Mm-hmm. Um, and people want to hear that, too. And it shows that that's, that's okay. You know, like, it, it's so many times that, uh, so many times if you get, let's say, for example, a woman of color, uh, you get that perspective. It's never, it's never layered. It's usually... You know, just one archetype, and that's mm-hmm. it. As if that person is only, let's say, they're they're they get they get cast, and they're cook, and uh, they're black, and maybe sassy, and that's it. They're not even right. 
they're not they're not even uh, idiosyncratic how about could, could they be a thief even how about something <laughs> more to the how, <laughs> how, how about a librarian that's also a thief how about that kind of complicated thing right um, yeah it just shows that and and then what i also love about it is that people will get a chance to learn um in a cool way like which i think is the greatest way is to just um hear people's stories and hear people's point of views who, who don't normally get heard. Yes. Yes. But you also get a chance to hear, um, them, I guess in, in a setting that's comfortable for them, mm, you know, like, I mean, yeah. a lot of times you don't, you don't get to see them. I don't know. I've already used sports, but in sports, you'd be like, it's there, there, they get the home field advantage and that's great. Mm -hmm. That's when you get people, I think, uh, to really just, uh, unfold and, and unpack some of their own issues in a funny, delightful, complicated, or emotional way. And that's that's you can't you can't get that by um, having them on um, I don't know some sort of talk show on uh, what's that white what's that white guy's name? <laughs> Which one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean like uh, Jimmy Fallon or something or? Like a exactly, late night? like a okay. late night show. Okay. Yeah. Yes. What's that? Yeah, one those little like, like those like five minute segments are all like so scripted and like they have token story. Yeah, that's that's so true. Like I feel like I know so much about like um like on Two Dope Queens, they just like chit chat about their weekend for like the first, you know, fifteen minutes and you just like you know, they talk about going to yoga and like the boys they date and like, you know, all mm -hmm. this stuff that you're exactly right. Like you um, white folks in particular, you know, who who aren't surrounded by people of color don't like hear casual conversations like that. And so mm -hmm. I think I think you're exactly right that um, it's it's cool to have um, and it's important. Uh, Melody and I both teach about like media representation a lot in our classes. Yeah. And this is like inspiring me to like instead of assigning like you know, some TV show or something like maybe I'll make my students listen to that podcast. That'd be pretty cool. Hell yeah. yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. It's the best thing in the world. I mean, the funny thing is one of the perceptions people walk away from that podcast, I'm going to assume is that, wow, man, these, these girls are so smart and, mm -hmm. and yeah, they are, they are smart and they are talented, but it's the idea that we have not been getting that uh, fill we've not been hearing that voice and that perspective for so long ever even mm -hmm. that it, that the collective mind assume, uh, takes it in and goes, wow, wow. They're, they're really talented and they are to their credit, but there's so much more like, like them that are right. out there. And there's so many, and it, it, I guess what I'm speaking to is uh, the, the void that is out there and how little of a perspective we've received as a culture for yeah. so long that that's really what i'm talking to is is that their awesomeness shines a light on how little of a perspective we've totally. already received and i yeah, yeah and i'm excited for that, more i'm excited for so many uh more things like that in layers that are just more in depth uh, yeah yeah that also mel sorry to keep going jump in again um that just reminds me of um like I just watched this clip of Leslie Jones on The View. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we have, in, in in theory, The View should be a space where we can hear, like, the same kind of thing, right? Like, like on The View, they just chit-chat with each other, whatever. But it's literally, like, there might be two black women now. But, you know, really, it's, like, those those kinds of things are usually, like, the, the tokens, right? Like, mm -hmm. Whoopi, Goldberg's, Whoopi Goldberg is the token black woman and um, things like that. But when I watched this clip of Leslie Jones on The View... It was like Leslie and Whoopi had this moment. I mean, she was speaking directly to how like Whoopi Goldberg had inspired her, but um, it was just like I was like in tears. Like it was like a very like she was just like thanking her, and it was really powerful. But just um, yeah. the idea of like not only getting to hear like a black woman talk about herself, but two black women talking to each other, and mm -hmm. like in media studies, we have something called the Bechtel test. You know what that is? Have you heard of that? Uh, -uh. no. So. It was invented by this graphic novelist um, named Alison Bechdel, and it's basically like if you go, if you watch a piece of media, in order to pass the Bechdel test, three things have to be true. One, there has to be two women in the scene. 
Two, they have to talk to each other. And three, they have to talk to each other about something other than a man. And like, it's very rare for that to happen in media. And so I was just thinking like another layer that's super important about that is like, are these women of color? How often do you get to see two women of color talking to each other and like not with, you know, surrounded by like white people like on the view or whatever? Yeah, never. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that seems. Yeah, right. When I right. teach, yeah, like oh, if the woman doesn't own the the uh, show, right? Like, I mean, if right. it isn't Oprah, right, you, right, you don't see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We um, in my what class, I teach the Bechdel test to my students, and we do because I like educate my students at this point in the semester. They're like, "But what about people of color, not just women?" I'm like, "Very good." Mm-hmm. So now we have a POC Bechdel <laughs> test too, and yeah. um, we also did um you know, the Oscars, Oscars so white, you know, we did, I was like, fine guys, let's do, let's do, um, people of color Oscars. Let's go. So like, let's nominate all the black films and they could, it's not their fault. That's so cool. There's, they they couldn't, they were like, Mm -hmm. somebody came up with one, I think it was like Creed. And Mm -hmm. then they just couldn't come up with any, there just weren't any to not, to nominate. And I was like, okay, point taken, you know, so anyways, I just want to throw that in. Yeah. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's, a, yeah, that's and a really good. I like I like that Bechtel test. That's yeah, yeah. Now we've ruined your. I mean, your life isn't ruined, but like now you're never going <laughs> to see movies the same. You're gonna be like, I'm not seeing that because there's yeah. not two people of color <laughs> talking about something else besides yeah. a white person. It's never yeah. right. Right. <laughs> no, it's it's true. Like I um I went to Toronto for a week or whatever for a festival. They invited me out, did some workshops or whatever. I didn't know much about Toronto before I left. I just assumed Canada, like most Americans, I was like, I was probably pretty, pretty, I don't know, what's whiter than white? Uh, Canada, you know, that's <laughs> what I assumed. And then I got there and I guess Toronto is actually really diverse. And yeah. I attended uh, some... There, so. <laughs> 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 So, you yeah. know, so he really diversifies <laughs> that, things from the street. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. You said Toronto. You have to say Drake pretty much right after that. So, yeah, no, uh, we yeah. had an entire episode about Drake. So it just goes with the territory that he's probably oh, going to be. Yeah, sorry about podcast, that. So. Go on. I'm sorry. Oh, I no. you. He has to. He has to be on. Um, no, I was surprised yeah. by how diverse it was. And um, and even still in Toronto, where it's super diverse, in their improv scene, they're still they're still doing a lot of good work. I think more than most cities, in my opinion, to have a space for inclusion and diversity. So, like even if Hollywood, you know, made more space, there's still more work to get people out there. Um, exa- another example, uh, one of the issues that I learned um, is that when you have a sketch show, if you're Second City or SNL, the problem with getting people of color is not like um, I think from the from the point of view of the people that uh, that produce the shows, their problem is having actual people of color submit. So we have like a lot of work to do yeah. on the ground level to just get people to submit, you know, right. and submit packets and, and get get employed. Um, so it's 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 on all fronts. Like Hollywood has to cast people, and then B we gotta somehow figure out a way to to get people to go to improv class, to go to sketch writing class, then submit and actually feel like they have a shot mm-hmm. right but then when yeah. you live with so many microaggressions like within these industries mm-hmm. it's hard to get a mm-hmm. foot forward you know i've read a lot of the new york times is kind of obsessed with this issue right now and so they went and talked to yeah. a bunch of um, people of color actors and they're like we want to be you know we want to be winning oscars and succeeding but like look at all this shit that we have to deal with before we even get to that point right. you know not to be right. a total killjoy but that's the name of the podcast but you know that <laughs> yeah. it's like fine submit your yeah. package or whatever but then you're dealing with a bunch of white people surrounding you you know that yeah you can speak to this more than i can obviously but that i've you know heard many people's experiences like i do want to i want to be a director but like mm-hmm. i don't want to deal with the racist sexist bullshit every day so mm-hmm. f- never yeah mind, you know yeah. Yeah, I could talk to the racist part, and, and I'm sure you know you know the sexist part. There's there's only so there's only so many people that are uh, not a minority that will hear you, and there's mm-hmm. and then they have the mindset and their own challenges to actually shut up and listen to people who uh, are not males or people that are of a different race. You know they right. and mm-hmm. there's only you know there's only so much 
so many people, I guess what I'm saying, people are key holders or gatekeepers or mm-hmm, whatever. There's mm-hmm. only so many of those that actually are are open to listening. And it, it's sad, but like, yeah, there's there's still a lot more that may that may not be gatekeepers that uh, still have power on some other level that, you know, it's pretty twisted. It's it's really mm-hmm. weird. Like I, I can experience I have experienced that right now. Like as a person who's been doing comedy in this scene for a while, even though I may have been t- more talented than uh, a lot of people, there was still this, you know, mindset. And it's just now starting to turn around for me personally that like, oh, well, I respect John because X, Y, Z when I'd been probably the same talent level for a long time. Like I almost quit improv period uh, before blackout. I was just going to go do stand up like most people of color because it's mm-hmm. the one art where you don't mm-hmm. You don't have to fight for stage time. You just sign up, and if you're talented, you keep, you know, you keep um, playing or whatever. But yeah, there's, there's like, if there's one roadblock you get over, there's going to be another, and then right. another, and then another. And the work that I'm trying to do is to make sure, once I get over that roadblock, is to figure out how to uh, pass that along to the people that are starting out, so that they can continue going with me. You know. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think my friend Jill Bernard, she's like world famous uh, improviser. I'm gonna mess up her quote, but she she says, you know, like I can take the I can take the stairs while I'm at the level that I'm at, but still send the elevator down. Uh, I'm messing it mm-hmm. up, but if you if you get what I mean, like she yeah. can still yeah. climb up while sending the elevator down to grab some more people, and that's yeah. kind of the method I'm trying to do. And, uh, either I'll succeed or I'll, you know, sadly, I'll get killed for it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, John. I, I know. It's, uh, I mean, I'll go out, I'll go out laughing though. That's okay. Good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you about like kind of your future goals with blackout and you've yeah. clearly been talking about some mentoring things going on. So, so what are your kind of future aspirations as a comic? Uh, with, yeah, with black, uh, with improv in general is uh, per- like uh, I guess is we're just gonna keep expanding. So we have a lot more people. We even have a Native American, um, gay uh, gentleman who's maybe fifty, if not, but definitely fifty. And okay. that in the comedy world, that's like that's the unicorn. That's right, mm. totally, yeah, yeah. He's so talented. Um, so the goal is, and we like we have been doing this, is just keep finding venues, and then also the goal is to train all the people that we casted to be able to do the improv because it's, it's still an art like anything else and you gotta you gotta work at it mm-hmm. so finding scholarships and just kind of building the team because the the first phase was to get as many um as high talented people as we could for what we wanted to do and then bust the door open and let people know like oh that this is not just a novelty thing and and once the room you know the the uh, what's it called the uh What's that? The, the, when you're in a honeymoon phase, once the honeymoon mm-hmm. phase is over, then you know people start to really expect it to have a certain caliber of of talent, and and their expectations go up. So now my job and the goal is to make sure that we have personnel, if you will, that that can meet that, and that that's a different challenge in itself. Yeah. So so taking yeah. on all those pressures that we talked about before, and now making sure we have the talent to to match or exceed uh, right. those expectations because no matter how much the community says like yeah well, we, we want to create a space where people can fail well that's not going to happen like yeah. if we had mm. if we had the same amount of horrible shitty white comedians as there are black we wouldn't be allowed in the room ever right, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah yeah well we definitely wish you the best of luck um with all of that because that's oh, like really you. important work and um yeah, and I really hope that I get to see it in person sometime soon. Yeah. Um, Do you have any cool. upcoming Twin Twin City shows? I know we have a lot of listeners in the Twin Cities. Yeah. Do you got anything um, you want to announce? The most, uh, the next one, I don't know when this drops, but July 30th uh, at the Brave New Workshop downtown, we're putting, we have a sketch show. It'll be our first ever sketch show. It's called Obama Out. And it just kind of <laughs> highlights everything that's awesome about Obama and what's been going on in America. Oh. And I'll give you a little, uh, I don't know, I'll just kind of tell you what the open 
opener is it's uh, you know the the Hamilton song the opening uh-huh. Hamilton yeah so we just rewrote that and made it uh, oh my Obama god that's gonna be amazing <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's awesome wow cool uh, awesome all right well we'll make sure to promo for you um, that'd be great yeah and, totally uh, yeah we'll link uh, our listeners to blackout on facebook and all sorts of social media sites so we'll get you on that for sure um are you you are the first guest ever that would be playing um rwl with us are you ready for this john were you just okay so we're gonna (laughs) okay so um we'll go first so the pressure's off you can just kind of listen to us and then and then you throw yours in so we are honored to have you as our first guest doing rwl all right um i'll just i'll start which again stands for reading, watching, listening. Just remind. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So you're like, I don't know what RWL is, but I'm an improv <laughs> artist, so I'm just gonna. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I'm a uh, professional liar, baby. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. So. It's <laughs> amazing. Professional liar and clean comedy. These are I like. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good terms getting thrown out. Okay. Um, so I'm reading. I'm trying to finish the Sean Bauer investigative piece with mother jones did you hear about this john he no. went undercover in a private prison and he was a prison guard for four months and he wrote this like long ass journalist piece about being um a prison guard in the private prison sector and all the horrible things that come with it so um i've been reading that that's very uh depressing i've been watching <laughs> But I've been watching to make me feel better. Chance the Rapper's No Problem video because I think it, mm-hmm. it's just so fun. Um, yeah. Although I do not like the um, the strip club veteran shirt, I could do without that. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I've been going down to uh, St. Paul to the governor's mansion where the Philando Castile occupation is going on. And mm-hmm. they have a sound system, and so they play music, and they play the song, like, all the time. Like, it's one of the, like, jams oh, that they throw. Yeah. So I have these, like, really awesome emotions. Like, not just happy, you know, obviously there's lots mm-hmm. of layers going on there, but, like, makes me feel good or hopeful or whatever. And mm-hmm. Chance is very cute with all of his dancing. And yeah. I'm listening to – see, I watch the video because I like the – there's just so much to watch there. But then I'm listening to, uh, no surprise here, Two Dope Queens and So Many White Guys. Because uh, Lizzo mm-hmm. was the first guest on So Many White Guys. Um, oh, that's awesome. And so she's from here, so that's awesome. And yeah. yeah, I was like binge listening to Two Dope Queens the other night. It was like, I stayed up late. I was like, just one more episode. Just one yeah. more. <laughs> yeah, it's that like crack. It's yeah. Like yeah. Crack. Oh, I got to get some more. I didn't know that. Like, you just keep learning. I need more. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, and laughing. And that's what's, like, so, Mm -hmm. like, it's such good self-care, like, comedy podcasts, because, like, well, and comedy in general, because, like, laughing is just so great. I'm also, Mm -hmm. like, a total race traitor, and so I love listening to, like, black people make fun of, like, stereotypical (laughs) white people, so. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot of that on there, which is great. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Cool. Good good roundup, Mel. Thanks. Um, Yeah, Good job, Mel. Good job, Mel. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I've been reading prison stuff also. Melody knows this because I sent her um, an article that I wrote that I'm trying to get published for uh, being a professor. Um, mm-hmm. And it's about when I taught yoga in at Hennepin County Jail. Um, and so I've been reading a bunch of stuff about prisons to write that article. So also on the sad prison reading um, stuff train um lately i've been listening to uh jamila jamila woods who's actually the chance works with her a lot she's um the vocalist on his songs um namely sunday candy which is like how i first learned about chance and it's just so beautiful um and she has really really good solo stuff um have either of you listened to her solo stuff no Mm -mm. No. It's so good. Melody, I'm going to send you a video for a song called Black Girl Sold Soldier, and okay. you're going to fall in love. All right. John, you might like it too, but yeah. Um, yeah. So that's what I'm listening to. I went out of order. Sorry. So that's what I'm listening to. Um, 
and I've been. Uh, <laughs> um, you broke it. You broke I, it. I ruined it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been like last week. I tried to watch funny stuff to like get out of like the grief that was reading about Alton Sterling and Philando Castile. Like just like I mean I know that shit happens every fucking day, but just like the news was so saturated with it, and I was feeling really sad, and you know. All, all the stuff. So I was trying to watch funny stuff last week, but I couldn't. But this week, like, I feel like I was, like, able to watch funny things and get out of my head a little bit. So I've been watching a lot of Bob's Burgers because that always makes me laugh. Yeah. Um, I love Bob's Burgers. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to say what I wanted to be watching. I'm really, really excited to see the new Ghostbusters. So I really want to watch that soon. Oh, yeah. 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 That's going to so. be good. Another, yeah. another movie that really shouldn't be holding this weight, but, like, that, you know like the women ghostbusters thing it's like right yeah it's not supposed to like this is the thing like to be a killjoy it's like there's all this like pressure on it to succeed and stuff but mm-hmm. it shouldn't be that way like there should already be like seven other superhero women films but because there's only one now it's going to be right are ghostbusters superheroes i just yes uh, i'm gonna okay. say yes okay I'm yeah let's say yes yeah <laughs> in our non-masculine you know because they're not very like hyper masculine you know superheroes right but i'm into it so okay anyways just cool. wanted to kill joy your rwl sorry about that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> anything that could fight against the ghost i think is a superhero yeah I, it is pretty powerful i agree yeah. yeah no matter how they yeah and uh oh, man, I just wanted to add to that Ghostbuster. So like, it's already got an A plus, and I haven't seen it because it just like back to what you're saying about Oprah and um, what's her name? Uh, not Oprah, but Whoopi. Whoopi. Go- yeah, Whoopi oh, and Leslie. Leslie having a talk. Yeah. yeah, like how many young girls are walking out of the theater totally. going, "Oh man, yeah, I can do that." Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, so, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, let's see. Okay, All right, your so, turn. Here we go. So, okay. uh, I, I, as you guys were talking, I was also thinking about it. And I was like, oh, man, I got a theme. I didn't even realize that I do this. So, this is my reaction, I think, to whenever there's tragedies that mm-hmm, happen mm-hmm. Uh, that re- that I can directly relate to as a black male. So, this, I just, I'm, I'm reading uh, Keith Johnstone. It's a book on improv. It's called Impro. And there's a chapter in it that talks about status and how characters um, can have high status and low status and, and all the elements that play with that. And it made me, it just kind of makes me think about like, you know, status in terms of uh, how we live in society. So me, for example, uh, let's say, you know, another world, I was coming out of prison and I was trying to get a job. Automatically, I'm going to have the lowest status, period. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, is, it just kind of helps me frame that in terms of uh, me individually as a game. But I really like that because it makes me yeah. look at status as not something that defines me it's just a game a play mm. and that kind of helps me kind of cope and navigate mm. through hard times and yeah uh, just makes it easier to process um a lot of the, a lot of the shit that's just going on um yeah. so keep Johnson. that's that's weird no one i never really shared that with anybody that's funny um yeah that's <laughs> a not, powerful <laughs> coping tool yeah yeah and then what uh when I'm watching, uh, this is also funny, is I'm rewatching Luther with mm-hmm. uh, Idris Elba. Mm-hmm. There's another uh-huh. guy. We know <laughs> him. <laughs> so I guess, selfishly, again, I'm looking for something that I can identify with as mm-hmm. uh, he's not a superhero, but he plays like the lead and he is a hero, like mm-hmm. in his own right. And he deals, he has his own complexity. So, and I like that. Attractiveness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and here's where we yeah. stop the podcast and start talking about how hot he is. <laughs> yeah, 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 John. Idris Elba, though. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jake, is it? I'm so, um... <laughs> sorry. Anyway, yeah. So, yeah. so okay. <laughs> um, and then I'm going back and listening to, uh, for reasons that I love, is Jay Z's first album, Reasonable mm-hmm. Doubt. I've been listening to that a lot, and that deals with uh, young Jay-Z, but just being able to use words that are more introspective uh, and, like, points to all the issues uh, of being a young black guy with a moral compass that doesn't want to do the illegal things, but talks about, like, you know, societal pressures, and, and you know, he doesn't romanticize it. He, he really points to it in a way that uh, I think that's accurate. And, totally. um, just right. kind of 
helps helps me again navigate through stuff. And you can it's feel funny. good. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Rachel. No, go ahead. I was just really quick going to say that I heard 99 Problems on the radio the other day. And, mm-hmm. um, like, when I was a kid listening to that, or, like, younger, that song, like, the only thing I really remember is, like, it was a song about, like, you know, how having a bitch isn't a problem, whatever. Like, I never really heard the other lyrics of the song. But he has a whole right. thing about the cops in that song. Yeah. And um, <laughs> that night, this is, like, a total, like, white girl moment of me. Like, that night I was at the dinner with some people um, and had had some drinks. And there was a conversation about whether or not Beyonce was woke. And mm. I was, like, tipsy. And I was, like, you can't be married to Jay-Z and not be woke. And then I started trying to, like... <laughs> And I was like trying to rap like Jay Z. I was oh, like, listen to these lyrics. And then yeah. I was trying to like rap like Jay Z, but it was <laughs> it was pretty embarrassing. So anyway, but yeah, no, some of his early stuff is yeah, super super woke, if you will. <laughs> and now it's all stupid. Now That's he so can't great. rap anymore. I don't know how yeah. your feelings, John, but like he was. There's like yeah. this one song he raps on Drake's album, and he just says "cake" for like. 12 lines <laughs> i'm not even kidding you and i'm like this does yeah. Not, yeah. this passes his rap now like i don't know much about rap yeah but like you suck like you suck now yeah and you and you rap on beyonce's album about beating up a woman oh just don't even yeah. so early yeah. jay-z is cool i agree yeah but i don't know what happened yeah i don't now. I don't know either. I think this is hip hop's first midlife crisis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go away. I thought he retired yeah. and he came back and, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jay. Oh. Yeah, poor Jay Z. Uh, oh, yeah. I, know. <laughs> I know. What a hard life. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Anyway. Okay. Well, we're having well, so much fun, but we have an hour time limit and we've reached it. So we have to uh-huh. unfortunately stop recording, but. Um, thank yeah. you okay. super so much this was, yeah. to John. Yeah, yeah, thank you. This was and really, really fun. I realized, you know, you invited a comedian and uh, it wasn't too funny. It wasn't really funny, but thank you for letting me just uh, oh, say yeah, what I had no. to say. That's okay. Oh, totally. That's, I'm usually that's the funny exactly. one, so I'm glad that you didn't <laughs> backstage me. Because yeah. that's usually my thing, so thanks for keeping <laughs> it mellow. I appreciate yeah. that. So. Oh, that was right. cool. Okay, WTF. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't give a shit. So, Rap Max trying to use my black ass so advertisers could give them more cash for ads. Fuckers, I don't know what you take me as or understand the intelligence that Jay Z has. I'm from rags the richest niggas. I ain't dumb. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. Hit me. 99 pounds, but a bitch ain't one. If you having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 pounds, but a bitch ain't one. Hit me. Yeah, it's 94, and my trunk is raw. And my rear view mirror is the motherfucking law. Got two choices, y'all. Pull over the car, or bounce on the devil, put the pedal to the floor. And I ain't trying to see no highway chase with Jake. Plus, I got a few dollars, I can fight the case. So I pull over to the side of the road. I heard, son, do you know I'm stopping you for? Cause I'm young and I'm black and my hat's real low Do I look like a mind reader, sir? I don't know Am I under arrest or should I get some more? Well, you was doing 55 in the 54 uh-huh. Lost the registration and step out of the car You carrying a weapon on you, I know a lot of you are I ain't stepping out of shit, all my papers legit Well, do you mind if I look around the car a little bit? Well, my glove compartment is locked, so it's the trunk in the back And I know my rights, so you gon' need a warrant for that <laughs> Aren't you sharp attack? Type of law or something, somebody important or something. I ain't passed the bar, but I know a little bit enough that you wanna legally search my shit. Well, we'll see how smart you are when the K9 comes. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. Hit me. 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. If you having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. Hit me. 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. If you having girl problems, I forgot for you, son. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. Hit me. Now, once upon a time, not too long ago, a nigga like myself had a strong arm a hoe. This is not a hoe in the sense of having a pussy, but a pussy having no goddamn sense. Trying to push me. I try to ignore him, talk to the Lord, pray for him, but some fools just love to perform. You know the type, loud as a motorbike, but wouldn't bust a grape in a fruit fight. And only thing that's gonna happen is I'ma get the clapping and he and his boys gonna be yapping to the captain. And there I go trapped in a Kit Kat again. 
Back through the system with the riffraff again Beans on the floor, scratching again Paparazzi's with their cameras, snapping them DA try to give a nigga shaft again Half a meal for bail cause I'm African Oh because the fool was harassing them Trying to play the boy like he's saccharin But ain't nothing sweeper, I hold my gun I got 99 pounds, being the bitch ain't one Hit me! 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one If you having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one Hit me! 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one If you having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one Hit me! Got 99 pounds and bitch ain't one. <laughs> you crazy for this one, Ray?